I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson, and you are here, and I'm glad that you are here with us today. We're going to going to talk about some different things. Uh, there, there's a book out now, uh, just hit a bestseller list, I found out just a minute ago. Uh, the book's called The Lord is My Courage, and the author is K.J. Ramsey. And uh, she gets into some interesting things, some some personal stories, uh, you know, some some difficult things that she's dealt with and I'm guessing probably continuing to work through, as well as, uh, you know, some interesting things about the Scripture. So I think you'll find today quite interesting. KJ is a, a licensed counselor, uh, if I get that right, you know, a licensed counselor with trauma. What is the right term? Trauma-informed licensed professional counselor. I knew I'd botch that. but So she's, she's dealing with some uh, issues with people and helping them walk through a lot of things, and she's qualified to do that better than just my advice most days. So I'm glad to have her here and glad that you're here. If you haven't subscribed, followed, liked, shared, do those things now. Uh, we come here every day trying to give you encouragement and hope uh, and inform you on some different things. So I appreciate you guys being a part of it. KJ, great to have you on Life Today Live. It is great to be here. So before we get into the book, um, give us a little bit of your your personal background because I know that you you faced a very difficult situation uh, that kind of threw you into maybe some circumspection some just questioning some things walk us through a little bit if that's where you'd like to start if you need to go earlier you start wherever you want but uh, there was a time that got you to where the location you're at now that um, wasn't easy absolutely so I guess I'll start with, I grew up in the church. I, I talk about this in the book. I was almost born in my church's parking lot. I Church was my whole life. And being part of the community of faith was what my life revolved around. And after college, I ended up getting married. And um, after a long path, my husband became a pastor. And it was in the first church where he worked and where I ended up having my counseling practice as well, that we experienced what we came to realize was spiritual abuse. And the thing is, I say came to realize because the experience of abuse or even what a lot of people call church harm, church hurt, um, it's so confusing because we don't expect that the place where we, where we worship Jesus and where we're supposed to feel most safe and most encouraged will be the place where we are most diminished and pushed down. And we, we inherently like give trust to the people who are leading us. Mm -hmm. um, so it was in experiencing that abuse, learning how to name it, deciding we had to leave it and choosing to heal from it that um, this book, The Lord is My Courage, was born because what I've realized is there's so many people like me who've yeah. been harmed inside the church. Yeah, well, so define that for, for people. I mean, my, my longtime pastor, who has the last name Ramsey as well, would <laughs> often say from the pulpit, 
if you if you haven't been church, hurt in church, you haven't been going long enough. His point simply being that the church is made of people and flawed people, and and things happen. But I don't think that's the same as what you're describing. It's, it's no, just it's not. that for people. It is and it isn't. So I think a lot of times when statements are made like, well, there's no perfect church. If you're not being hurt, you're not like in a real church or like everybody hurts. People are people. Um, we sin. We're sinners. Uh, the, the issue is that there really are power dynamics in church and in all relationships where people in authority do have spiritual power that can be used to build others up or it can be used to control and to to build up their own sense of of glory of um Mm -hmm. to build up their their little kingdom um and a lot of times spiritual abuse happens when spiritual authority is used to control coerce and diminish someone else's power to make the person in power more powerful. Yeah. Um, the way that this looks, though, is so subtle. It's it's often control over uh, small small things over like how much are you tithing and are you volunteering enough and and being talked to sternly um, after church or then. You have you might be yelled at in the pastor's office, mm. um, and it's not always even the pastor who's the one doing the abusing. Although that's the most common experience of those whom I counsel and hear from, um, it's a subtle, often a subtle thing, yeah. and it and it wrecks lives. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I know I know some people that have been through that, uh, and ultimately, it's an yeah. abuse of authority, and it's really mm-hmm. um, an ungodly attitude in people who are supposed to be godly at least viewed as godly and hold themselves up as godly and often wrapped in spiritual language to disguise the blatant sin so right which is why it's so why it is so insidious and damaging to the human soul because when we when spiritual language and scripture itself has been used to control a person and to change um their perception of what is good and right and and who god is yeah that messes up your your self-concept that messes up your your sense of the divine um and and your ability to trust god and yourself yeah I, 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 I've seen that. <laughs> I've yeah, seen yeah, we've we've all seen it. Uh-huh. I think it's just that um, it's really hard to talk about it. And I think a lot of times what I see is that people prefer to use the term church hurt because it feels like it takes a little bit of the blame and the intensity away. It's it's much harder and, in my opinion, much more important to name the wounds rightly hmm. that a lot of people have been harmed. This is not just, I had a disagreement. This is not just people had a disagreement with the pastor right, and they left right. in a huff. This is, there's been, there's been control, coercion, crushing right, of spirit. Right, right. And um, I think so much of our church cultures are often ordered around niceness 
rather than honesty and truth. And it requires truth, honesty about the harm that happens inside the church for us to be able to heal from that harm. Yes. Uh, I, w- I think you would agree, though, that, that honesty and kindness can coexist. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's it's the truth that sets us free. And sometimes the truth is not nice. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you got to call it like it is. So I guess the easy the the arm, you know, the the guy sitting at home observing this uh, Mm -hmm. or gal could go just leave. Just leave. Yeah. Is it that easy? Yeah. No, it's not. It's not that easy. And yet that is an important part. So I think leaving systems, church systems, institutions where we are being crushed is essential. Mm-hmm. If, we're being, if we're in a place where we are not able to truly be safe and ex- express our full personhood as image bearers of God who have dignity and worth to Jesus, um, then we do have to leave. We have to, and it's not, also to say, just leave, it's not as simple as that. So there's a lot of families like mine who our livelihood was working at this church. Mm. So for us to confront the abuse that was happening and to leave meant giving up our ability to pay for food, Mm. housing, insurance. And so I think a lot of people really struggle to get to the point of even being able to leave yeah. because we are, if we're honest with ourselves, so afraid of our family not being able to survive. Um, and then the process of healing after we leave yeah. takes years, it takes yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I definitely want to talk about that. I, does, does that force you in the kind of weird counterintuitive place of, having to rely on God instead of the church that claims to speak for God or to represent Mm -hmm. God when they're failing in that regard. Yeah. So the reason that in the Lord is my courage, I wrote through the lens of Psalm 23, went phrase by phrase, word by word, there's 35 chapters. So really like go slowly through Psalm 23 is because what I experienced in having to walk away from a church as a person who grew up going to church like three times a week mm-hmm. and you don't miss you like the only reason that you don't go to church on Sunday morning is because you're like vomiting <laughs> like you're so sick that you can't go um that kind of person wrote this book <laughs> because <laughs> what i found was that even when we have to be exiled into the wilderness the good shepherd seeks and finds us and it's in learning to experience the good shepherd as good, as attentive, as kind that we are rebuilt into a faith where we can be part of the body of Christ without being bullied by the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We can be um, stewards of God's love without being stuck in relationships of unholy submission and the good shepherd finds us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, 
I mean, if we're honest, <laughs> not to play on the words, but that's really what God wants for us. If, if we've sort of allowed, and I'm not saying this is what you've done, maybe, maybe you can speak to it, but if we've allowed the church to kind of substitute for our relationship with God, don't we kind of have things backwards? Because, I mean, it, we've got to have that personal connection with the Lord in order to be healthy in the body. And I know some yeah. others, I've seen the body take the place, you know, the church basically be the God. Yeah, I think it's a it's a painful it's a painful thing. You know, I think I wouldn't say anyone that I know would that's gone through this or is going through this mm-hmm. would have said that the church is their god. But I think that the way that we're conditioned to order our whole lives around the local church it does place us in a position where if that church is not healthy, if that pastor isn't actually a healthy individual who's dealing with their like repenting of their sin and being being deeply transformed by the love of Jesus, um, when you when you realize that you're being crushed and you leave, you lose everything. And I think we do need to ask questions about what is the body of Christ and like what is the purpose of the body of Christ on earth. Mm-hmm. If I'm spending all of my time going to small group, being in another lady's Bible study and only seeing clients from church or I don't know, I had great things in place for dual relationships. It was a large church. But like if my if my whole life is revolving around being with people from church, then how am I showing the love of Jesus to the world who still needs to meet him? And And I just, I think there's some questions to be asked both about like, what is our relationship personally to God and how anchored is that? But also like, how do we then share the beauty of that relationship with the world who needs to know that they are beloved by God too? Yeah, sure. Sure. And and certainly to be able to have the support we need in that, you need a healthy church to invite them to because you don't want to bring yeah, them into do. a place of abuse. <laughs> That would almost, right. Oh, that would but you know what, you know what, Randy, um, so few, especially in these larger churches, so people, so few people realize that they, that when there is unhealth, that it's there. Like something I talk about in the book is that a lot of us have abdicated our sense of discernment mm. about what is good yeah. to a leader. And yeah. so you we we assume that someone standing on a stage preaching a powerful sermon has character and integrity. Yeah, not always, and the that case. means no, it's <laughs> no, not no, always no, the I case. Can, I can tell you because I've seen behind a lot of those curtains. I know, not yeah, I'm sure you've met a lot of these people probably, yeah. and it, it's like health. The indicators of health are not having a charismatic personality. Mm-hmm what happens behind closed doors, what happens when someone, when something goes wrong, what happens when the slides for the songs we're singing don't work? And does the pastor give the evil eye to the person in the back or does he chew them out or she chew them out afterwards? Like these are the moments that reveal character. And I think I, I would love to see people in the body of Christ 
regain their sense of discernment over what does it look like to be healthy and to like cast off and honestly even repent of this consumeristic um, veneer that we've placed over character that equates celebrity with character. Yeah. We need to, we need as a church, we need to repent. Yeah. Uh, And, and, you know, if you want to find out if a grape is sweet or sour, you got to squeeze it. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. I, I, yeah, I, I know exactly. What that's you're great. I, I love that statement. <laughs> yes, that's, that's my dad's. I can't claim credit for that. It's one. good. Um, and and having been the guy on stage when the slides were wrong, that does test you because you're up. It there, does. Everybody's looking at you, and you don't know the words, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, come on, yeah. get it right. I love I love to use that example because it's like that moment is so revealing over who we believe we are and who we believe we have to be to be loved. And it's such a small moment, but like, can we be a place where it's okay to be imperfect? Yeah, that's a a good question. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of this gospel that like, we don't have to earn being loved. Mm -hmm. So it actually, when we let there be imperfections in our services, for example, it actually communicates a deeper truth to the people sitting in the pews that you do not have to be perfect to be loved by this good God. So how perfect does the leader then have to be to be loved by the congregation? Is that a fair yeah, question? Yeah, and I think that's a, such a great question because, you know, as we talk about things like spiritual abuse, we're of course gonna hear like, I think there's a lot of fear among pastors. Well, like, you're just going to write me off or like, am I, am I, do I have to be perfect in order Mm -hmm. to not be called out? Right. right. Um, No, no, you don't have to be perfect. I think the point is that leaders do have a high responsibility to be well. What are we leading people into? Yeah, no doubt. And, and I, and I think that, this confusion in our culture over looking the part um, and being charismatic and building up something big um, shades over, it obscures the, the good news that a leader is only leading people into, a leader in the body of Christ is only leading people into the good news that we're loved no matter what. And so, I believe that church leaders, pastors, others, we have, as a therapist, I include myself in this, we have a responsibility to be changed by the love of Christ, Mm -hmm. to let the love of Jesus sink into every fiber of our being. And that includes exploring our stories, like being willing to heal from the deep wounds in our life, from our childhood Mm -hmm. on, Mm that have shaped us into a posture of of scarcity of insecurity because it's our it's our wounds throughout our lifetime that shape us into people who in very subtle subconscious usually ways live out a story that we have to earn love and we have to build something bigger mm. to really make god proud right. and to build up the kingdom um it's we have a responsibility to explore our stories and let Jesus heal every part of our stories. Yeah. And, and a lot of us a lot of us aren't doing that. No, but the good news is that that's what he wants to do. 
yeah and he and he is seeking us like that's something that's in the book um we talk i talk about um he follows me uh in psalm 23 follow is the word redaf in hebrew and this isn't just for pastors but i think it applies too like redaf in hebrew is he is the shepherd hounds us mm. it's the same word that um David, everywhere else in the Old Testament is used to talk about being like harassed, hunted mm. by an enemy. And David takes it and he flips the script and he says, more than my enemies hound me and harass me. God hounds me with goodness and love. Oh, wow. God is seeking both the pastor and the person in the pews and the people who can't step foot inside a church because they've been too harmed to be there anymore. Oh. God is relentless to seek us with goodness and love. He won't stop. Won't stop. That's that's not the same as the connotation of goodness and mercy follows me, like it comes behind me. That's a different that's a whole different thing. Yeah. He so follow follow really is redaf. And wow. it's it's a it is an active pursuit. This is like no matter where I go, goodness and love are seeking me out. They are hunting me down. Yeah. And goodness and love are like personified there. Like goodness and love are people that come to find you and and like get you because they love you so much that they're not gonna let you run away. You know, the interesting thing about that, and I wanna talk more about Psalm 23, but is, is the idea of goodness and mercy shall follow me is about me. But when you're saying that it's pursue, it's about God. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, very, Interesting. I, I like that. Okay, we're, we're talking to K.J. Ramsey. This is her book, The Lord is My Courage. Uh, you can find out, you can get the book wherever you get books, uh, but you can find out more about her at kjramsey.com, right there on your screen, kjramsey.com. And I do want to ask one question, because so you, you, leave, you leave a large church, uh, you leave the security of your jobs, both you and your husband, which is a double hit, uh, mm-hmm. and that that kind of throws you into the wilderness a little bit um, where you, you, you got to figure some things out, heal from some damage, really anchor to God in a way that you had been forced to do before um, on, on that church. Because I know some people are probably wondering, now was this like, I mean, I know the answer, but this, this wasn't like some kind of weird cult kind of church. This was a very no. mainline Protestant church. Yes. Yes, this this is, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't even use the word mainline because that has other connotations too. But it, it was a non-denominational Protestant church and um, an evangelical church where you know there's still people I'm sure there who have no idea that their pastor and elders and co-pastor have abused a lot of people. Yeah. So that's, I I think it's, it should be sobering. It should be sobering that there, there are thousands upon thousands of people like me and my husband who have been deeply, deeply crushed by people wanting to control. Here's, here's the thing that bothers me about this. Um, I know a church just like that and I'm Uh not going to name it. If I did, people wouldn't know it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not my church. It's not my former church. It's not Gateway, which we're so <laughs> okay. It's a completely different church. But um, I know people that have come out of there, and, the, and everyone's like horror stories. Like 
the pastor did what you know yeah and you're kind of you're, you're kind of shocked at the same time simultaneously um i know people that go to that church now uh i've been to the church to visit multiple times i've heard the preacher preach he he's very a very and then when i say charismatic i don't mean mean that theologically I yeah mean, i know just right so he's got a he's got a great stage presence preaches yep. a a, a great sermon, a lot of them very solid sermons. I mean, I, I say a lot of them. I've only heard a handful, but um, I know people that are blessed in that church. Mm-hmm. Yep. What What do you think's going on where behind closed doors, the leadership is not healthy and not doing things right a lot of times, yep. but yet people are going to the church and they are growing spiritually. They're engaging with others. They're learning yeah. to love Jesus. What do you think is going on there? This is the case at our former church. So I really appreciate what the late pastor Eugene Peterson said, which something to the effect of evil is generally hidden in light. Like Satan likes to hide the most evil things in the cloak of light. Comes as a name. And yeah. And that is what is happening at so many churches across the United States and probably beyond that there can be places where there is great light and there is also darkness hidden in the pews, hidden, <laughs> hidden in, in private conversations. And I think that we have to be it, it takes a lot of discernment if you're not the person being harmed. Truly, there's a lot about proximity to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of these folks are not going to be able to see the pernicious harm that's happening unless they are in close proximity to the person that holds the power and is and is worried about hoarding it right. and maintaining right. it. Sure. Um, but I think that there there are also discerning people people who are listening to the spirit of God and dwelling in the word that can pick up on something's not right Mm -hmm. down to these small signals Mm -hmm. of what is safe and what isn't like what happens when there's a small error on a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. or somebody doesn't show up to volunteer or you, you like have something go wrong in your life and you make, you make a mistake. Like what happens in this church when, when you've shown up as less than perfect. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that you bring that up because that is the truth that like it is mixed, like there is good and bad in every church and the good that's happening in these churches where there's this level of harm. I don't think it outweighs the evil of people being crushed. And I think we, we need to see like how much do we trust Jesus that who said the gates of hell cannot stand against the church like how much do we trust Jesus's love for the church Jesus's the power of the spirit to maintain and extend this body of Christ on earth mm-hmm. do we trust that or do we think i've got to make sure that this church with 3000 people or whatever um continues no matter what because we we feel like we have to be protectors of the promises of god but i think god can protect god's self (laughs) yeah yeah and that's that's tough sometimes to know the difference 
you know, um, mm -hmm. it, it's a tough, it does require a, a heck of a lot of discernment. So much discernment. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, here's, here's a question that may seem off topic, but it's totally not. Have you ever seen the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin? Mm, that sounds so familiar, but I don't think I have. Yeah, you're younger than I am, I'm sure, and we won't get into that. But um, you need you, you. I think you'd be interested by it because here's, all right, I'll, I'll write it down. Yeah, so um, shot here in Dallas, by the way. Uh, but I love the movie, and in here, here the the, the slug line basically is that you've got a, a con man preacher, tent preacher, kind of in your old charismatic theological style, mm -hmm. right? Um, who encounters a real miracle in one of his services. And the lesson that I took from that, and the reason I love that movie so much, is that here's a guy who's a fraud. He knows he's a fraud. Um, he's not even trying to hide it. From the public, yes, but from those, again, those close to power know this guy's a complete fraud. Uh -huh. And I'm not calling all pastors that are imperfect frauds. Don't, don't get no. me wrong. And I'm not either. Uh, but... Um, what happens is, is is a young boy comes to his healing service truly seeking God, and he gets healed, and it freaks, well, freaks the it freaks the fraud preacher out, and mm -hmm. I won't tell you the end of it because I think you'll like it. And and I, I I watched that and growing up the way I've seen behind I mean I've seen behind some serious curtains because when preachers get in trouble a lot of them would come to my dad and they'd end up in our house I mean even from a kid I'm I'm like why is that guy here you know um, mm -hmm. what ha what I think happens what what I'm pretty set on is that God honors individuals who are seeking Him even in an environment mm. where I love that the the leader the church you know are not sometimes well they're always imperfect but sometimes like way off yeah. and possibly even abusive yeah yeah i i love that you bring that up i i believe you're right i think god does delight in our desire to be near to god to know god to to worship to love and there is a mystery of grace that does pervade even the most pain-filled places mm -hmm. um and i think that god also delights in and healing where there has been harm and in the light shining in the darkness mm -hmm. and so i think i think that people who are in places that are enacting harm that are um are are bound by norms of control and to having to be too certain about everything mm -hmm. that we believe in and can so control of belief and control of practice um we're only going to grow so much in those places we're only going to be so whole in those places and i think that people stuck in churches like i was in um are only going to experience so much of the only so much of the joy that's available in Jesus. Yeah. Um, sometimes we gotta squeeze that grape <laughs> right, to right. to like also experience the sweetness of. We have to experience being squeezed to experience the sweetness of walking with this Savior who chose to suffer yeah. for us to know love. Um, we take up our cross and follow Him. Sometimes that cross was laid on us by the church 
and by this confusion of being in places that you think are supposed to be there for your good. Um, So the squeezing can bring about the sweetness. Yes. uh, Yeah. And it at least brings about change. And a lot of times people have to be shaken to get out of the situation that they're in where God wants to take them to a new level of growth and, and wholeness. All right. I haven't been able to talk about the 23rd Psalm the way I wanted to. So if you <laughs> guys okay. want to hear more about that, I'll just point you to the book. But give, I, I, I want to leave people on a, on a hopeful note because I know you do too. Uh, yeah. and, and we've talked a lot about the, the hurt and the pain that you left, but what have you found on the other side of it? So much goodness. I mean, the shepherd of Psalm 23 is the God who meets me every single day. Mm. I I get to experience Jesus as personally present, walking with me every day. And I and I experience Jesus's nearness mm. more than I did before. Um, it's been in walking in the wilderness, walking through the valley of the shadow of death learning how to lie down in green pastures, learning how to let Jesus refresh my soul, that my daily experience, including being in a different place than I ever thought I would be um, in terms of what church looks like for me now and what my life looks like now, my experience now is so permeated with the presence of Jesus. And that is the good news that like, as we are pulled, as we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's the way to the water that we most need. There is good and living water for you, including walking through the wilderness. Yeah. That's the good news. Yeah. And you know, I think that's God's ultimate desire. I mean, that's what he wants for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. KJ, this has been, uh, I think, a healthy conversation. Some people needed to hear this, and so I appreciate you, you, you talking about it. And most of all, because, you know, here's the other thing. A lot of people that get hurt in church or abused in church or whatever level of, of, of pain they experience, um, they walk away from God. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. do that. No, and I think, I think that's grace. And I also think the people who have walked away, though, God's still seeking them too. <laughs> Grace runs far. Yes, yes, it does. It does. So good. Uh, I appreciate that encouragement uh, and I appreciate the conversation. Is there anything I missed? Uh, I'll, I'll show people your website here in just a second, kjramsey.com. The no. book's available now. Anything else you got going on that you want people to know about? No. Um, I'm just grateful, grateful for the honest conversation. I know it's hard stuff to talk about, but ah. it matters yeah no uh, uh it does matter um i don't know it's not hard for me to talk about i guess I, I got over the uh illusion that everybody in a pulpit was you know almost godlike a long time ago uh and yeah so, yeah i don't mind i don't mind i think i mean that, that it's hard i think i mean it's hard because when we speak honestly about harm in the church it feels like something's being threatened um it can feel like (laughs) but do you still love the church um are you going to write off everyone like there's just a there's a level of discomfort when when we talk about this and so i always feel like 
this is tender. This is tender ground. And I just always appreciate when people are willing to walk out to tread onto that ground because I know that it, it brings up a lot for, for people to even hear about it. Mm. Mm. Oh, well. If, if this has bothered you, you maybe God going, it's because this is where you're at. Or yeah, pay it. Yeah, pay attention. Pay attention yeah, right? it's say it's God saying, stay curious, yeah. stay curious, yeah. and maybe be compassionate to the people that have gone through things that you've been like, really, was it that bad? Yeah. It probably was. Yeah, yeah, could be good. The good news is is that the God's goodness it does chase us down, yeah. and if, if we'll quit running from that. Uh, he can heal any hurt, uh, and it may yeah. take a while. Probably will take. Yes. You might need to see a, a licensed counselor. You might KJ. need to. You <laughs> might need to go through some trauma therapy, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, that's okay. All that's all good. Yep. All right, KJ. Again, thank you so much. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Appreciate what you do. You guys check out the book. Check out the website, and come back. We've got more life for you right here on Life Today Live. See you again next time. Let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. They will find no trials in God's ever-flowing and abundant springs of grace.